What I want to do today um, is the position of Shlomo Zelman Orbach. So I will try not to be as overambitious as I usually am. And if we just get through the position of Shlomo Zelman Orbach in its entirety, that will be a success. Um, I want to read it together with you. Uh, I'll be upfront that there may be some misdirection involved uh, point through, but I'm going to try and um, I want to try and read it to you and, and find out what you think he says. And then uh, I'll read you something else and find out what you think he says, and we'll find out. And then we'll try and decide if there's any contradiction between the two. So here is uh, the tshuva, the tshuva Shlomo Simon Pevav, as it appears in the second edition. Okay, it has a heading which is Inyanei Hatzalah Rufua, and then paragraph Aleph is Din Kedima Beripoi Uvemachshir Uvemachshir Neshama. Okay, so precedence when it comes to healing. And to um, and with um, with ventilators, okay. Machshir Hanshama. Sorry, my fault. Um, okay, so he begins by quoting a primigadim. Kasava primigadim beresh semen shin chavchet imyesh echad shavade misukan al piarofim vechadume. There is one person who is definitely in danger, vezes safek, and another person is possibly in danger. Okay, ve rufu echad. Uh, okay, and um, one and the medicine is not sufficient for both of them. So you have a choice now. One person definitely in danger. One person might be in danger. So the primigadim paskins that you give the medicine to the person who is definitely in danger. Okay, now the primigadim, as quoted by Rishlam Zalman, offers no rationale for this. He just says that, right? One person definitely in danger. One person might be in danger. You give the medicine to the person who is definitely in danger. He doesn't mention any other, um, any other considerations. For example, what happens if one person is definitely in danger and there's a 10% chance of saving them and the other person might be in danger? Uh, let's say the other person, right? So one person, let's say there's a 100% chance they'll die, if you, uh, they'll die if you give them this medication. But there's a 50%, but there's a, 90% chance die that they'll die right um, with the medication. The other person has a 50% chance of dying without the medication and a 0% chance of dying with the medication. So you're raising the odds a lot more if you're right, if you give, if you give it to the person who's a suffix rather than a vadai. The primigadin doesn't mention any of these additional characteristics. He's presumably presenting it as a pure case in which everything else is identical except that one person is more in risk than the other, but the outcomes uh, right, the outcomes are the same, and therefore, the way to justify it is a rational outcomes basis, right? There's a, you have two patients, one of them has a 100% chance of dying, one of them has a 50% chance of dying, so right, so right now, your, your expected outcome with, with no medication is half a person, right? You give the, you give, right, you give the medication to the person who's Vade Misupak, and now you're out, your expected outcome is one and a half people, right? Whereas you give it to the person who only has a 50% chance, who only has a 50% chance of dying, your expected gain is only half a person. Okay. But the problem with the Primigadim offers no rationale. Okay. Um, but Rav Shlomo Zalman immediately goes ahead and says, on the basis, so far as we can tell, only of this Primigadim. You're supposed to consider both the degree of danger and the odds of saving him. All right. So I think that's what Rav Shlomo Zalman is doing. He's saying that once you introduce one kind of rational consideration, or utilitarian consideration, if you will, 
So then we should be able to introduce all of them because there's no more basis, right? There's no more basis for the one of them than the other. Right? Prima Gadim offers no citations of nothing, right? He seems to be just have pulled this out of the air. And it seems that Roshlomo Zalman, I think, reads it the way I do, that we that our default seems to be a rational basis. Okay. But now, um, right now he says, um, the considerations of age don't play into it at all. So now that seems to be against a pure rational uh, rational outcome consideration because you do expect people who um, right who right who are, who are older. But okay, right, he might have some kind of counter to that. We don't know what his counter to that is. And now he says, Take a look at the end of Horios. Now it says, what is this mission Horios about? It's about saving people from uh, captivity. And also in terms of priority, in terms of staka. So he doesn't apply it to life-saving. And yet he does, right? He says it's talking about other issues, and yet he wants to apply it to life-saving. But then he has this fudge, which we talked about. He says, But it seems to me that in our time, it's very difficult to behave in accordance with this, which suggests that this Kadima. Right, it seems to have an in-between position that this order of priorities, the triage order in the Mishnah in um, in Horios, apply. It, the Mishnah is talking about these issues, right, saving from captivity and staka, but in practice, it, it would apply to everything. But nowadays, it's, it's very hard to engage in those sorts of things. Now, why it's very hard, uh, right? Why it's very hard, he doesn't tell us. Um, there are two, at least two possibilities. One possibility is the way Rav Schechter suggested that it's hard because people don't play their, their old social roles. And so you might have women who are more learned than men. And the whole, right, and since we have a line, moms are talmid chacham, kohen mekohen, go to lama aretz. So there's, right, so these roles of priority don't work. Um, and the second possibility is that we're trying to run a hospital. And if you try to make distinctions like this in a hospital, you wouldn't survive, right? You'd, you'd immediately get fired. But we don't know which one of those it is, right? Even in Israel. Okay, now he says, ulam, lavir Right. In order to move a to move a respirator from um, from one patient to another who is in a um, who has a who has a greater greater odds of success as opposed to someone who's in greater danger, right? Greater odds of success. Right. I seem to I have grave doubts about this idea of moving moving the ventilator from one patient to another. Okay, uh, right. Even though he thinks that you're allowed to choose to save one patient over another, but moving a ventilator is hard, um, right? Within the right, he says people have greater chance of survival, but might also be in terms of who is at greater risk. Why? He thinks you can view this as if the first patient already acquired a right, at least, right? Literally, a zachav machshir, right? It could be acquired, but let's say acquires a right to the ventilator. And that first patient, if you were to say, does does a first does patient A ha- ever have an obligation to give patient B the ventilator, so long as patient A has has a chance to live? So the answer probably would be right? You're allowed to choose your life first. So therefore, patient A has no obligation to give the ventilator to patient B, and patient A has a right to the ventilator. Right, uh, right. Even if the even if the uh, second patient is more in danger. Okay, so now he doesn't take the next he doesn't take the next step, but the next step seems to be 
that if patient A has no obligation to give it to patient B, then the doctor has no right to take it from patient A to give it to patient B. And the question is like, how, how much is that a property right? Um, right? Is that really what he's talking about? Do you actually acquire the ventilator? That seems very difficult because the patient doesn't own the ventilator, right? That sounds right. And that would be the, the analogy to somebody who actually owns the canteen of water. Um, but the question is, is there a second kind of, is he talking about a sort of right to life as opposed to a right to the ventilator? That patient A is alive and has a right to stay alive. They're not, they're, their capacity to stay alive is not the result of unclean hands. And now you, right, so now on what basis do you have the right to choose patient B over patient A? It really shouldn't be your choice anymore. Anymore than you would be allowed if two people, right, two people are walking in the desert and one of them has, one of them has a canteen of water. And the one who has a canteen of water is in less danger than his companion. So would you have a right as a third party to take the water from the first person, from the per first person? So the answer is no. But is it because he owns the water? Right, what happens, let's say, for example, right, here's our test case, right? Two people walking in the desert and they own a, right, and they are holding the water of, right, they're, they're water delivery people, right? So they're delivering a, they're delivering a water bottle um, to the next town, but they, right, but everything breaks down and now all the water is left and one of them is holding the water. Do you as a third party have the right to take the water from that, right, from that, um, from, from the driver A, right, who happens to be holding it, and insist that they give it to, to driver B? Probably not, if it, right? So I think Rosh Hashanah's argument, I think, is that in any case where patient A has the right to maintain the water, you have no right to take the water away from them. It doesn't matter whether they own it or not. What matters is whether they have a right to it. Okay, uh, I'll take comments now if somebody, if somebody wants, to, uh, wants to make them. Okay, that I think is Rosh Hashanah. Right? We're gonna we're gonna play that out a lot in the next um, next week. I think um, right is that is um, right is whether right what the nature of the right is and how we frame it. Okay, right. So that's Rosh Hashanah's first thing. I have I have real grave doubts about whether you can move the rest the ventilator because maybe the first one already has a right to it. Then he says, The same thing appears to me. What happens if a doctor is already engaging with one patient? And then they realize that their time would be better spent with another patient who is either in more danger or there's better hope of saving them. It says, Mistaber, it seems to him reasonable. Just like if you're engaged in one mitzvah, you're exempt from another mitzvah. So to you're exempt, you don't have to move to another patient. And maybe it's forbidden to move to another patient. Right, so Shlomo Zaman believe, seems to believe that in triage, you have to deal with the patient you address first, uh, right? Once you're already in relationship with that patient, and we'll have to figure out, right, you know, who is in relationship, right? If you insulate the patient by having a triage team and the triage team assigns the patients to other people, so then no individual doctor has yet engaged with that patient. Um, right, so it's not clear that he's right that he's talking about, but at least at the level of the individual doctor, you cannot say he thinks that if there's another patient whom I can help more, 
So long as I still have a possibility to help this patient, I have to stay with this patient. Certainly it says I can stay with this patient and maybe I have no right to stay with this, to leave the patient. And then he ends by saying, I'll tell you truthfully, I'm not writing, I'm not, you know, driving nails in to write to permanently say anything I'm saying. Because the questions are very serious. And I don't have any evidence really, right? And you'll see, like he, 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 the, the, the truva so far has had one quote, the Prima Gadim, which is, which is inflated to, right, to establish a rational choice principle. But then his rational choice principle, he puts in two criteria. Right? He eliminates age without saying why. He eliminates hurrya without saying why. And then he puts in a new principle, which says, even though it's a rational choice principle, that rational choice principle only applies in a, right, in a situation where there is no prior relationship between the doctor or even between the machines and a patient. But once a certain patient has acquired something, then right, has acquired a right to something, a relationship with the doctor, whatever it may be, then everything is fixed. Okay? Right? That's that's Rashlam Azalman's truth. Then he goes on. He says, What about Hachlatat Beit Cholim, the Maname Hatzalat Trefa Bimchonat Hachaya? What if we have a, um, a machine that keeps you alive? Um, right? It's not clear why, right over here, he was talking about a Machshir Hanshama. Right? And now he's talking about a mechonat but it sounds like it's the same device. Okay, so what about, right? So the, the, the hospital made a rule that is not going to attach mechonat to somebody who is a trefa. I have to be very careful about what the word trefa here means because we saw that Razaman Nechemi had a very specific definition of trefa. He may not have the same definition. Okay, he says, it seems to me that the hospital decision that People defined as trefot, whatever that means, should never be, should not be connected from the beginning to the right to the mechanah uh, is correct. If they're telling us the truth, that every day they save people who are not trefos um, by right because they haven't connected people previously. And he says, look, and even if it's not so clear. Maybe you're saving, maybe every day that you don't connect the trefa, you, right, you're, you're saving the machine for somebody else. Um, but um, maybe not. Right? The, the hospital management made a rational decision that that was what was going to happen. Whatever, right, whoever you are, right? I agree with what you, with, um, with what you wrote. Uh, meaning that you're allowed to uh, follow the hospital protocol and not connect the trefa when they come in. And I also think, even you're going to tell me that in a case where one party is in danger and another party is not in danger, that you have an obligation to steal to save the one person, right? So this is not, in the case we were talking about before where is where, is where patient A is in danger, so then you're not allowed to take it from them. But if patient A is in no danger and patient B is in danger, so he says, even if we're going to say, under such circumstances, you would be obligated to steal the machine or the water from patient A and give it to patient B. And you think this obligation applies even when you have no way of repaying the other party. Um, and how are you going to repay the hospital for its reuse of the, uh, for, its use, for, its, for its use of the machine? 
or particularly how you're going to repay the other person, right? So whatever the circumstances are, this is not Okay, so right, you still you can't violate the hospital regulations and steal the machine, uh, right? And connect in order, meaning connect the trefa to it against the hospital regulations. Because if they already started saving the trefa, so it seems to me you would not be allowed to disconnect the trefa in order to connect it to the shalem. So, right, so now you're stealing the machine. Maybe you're stealing the machine from the other person who has a right, the next person has a right to it. Maybe you're stealing from the hospital. That would be considered actively, actively doing what? It sounds like it would be considered active killing if you, right, if you were to actively take the machine away from the trefa and give it to the shlema. So it sounds like Rishlam Zalman is saying right now that once you connect a machine to a trefa, you can't disconnect it, period. Therefore, um, right, therefore the hospital has a right to refuse to connect trefos in the first place if it has a rational belief that by doing so it's saving somebody else. And now since the hospital is saving the machine for that somebody else, you're not allowed to connect this person to it immediately because that would be stealing from the somebody else. Okay. So now he says, Venera, and it seems, now we get to our case. If two people are walking in the desert, they're starving. Both of them are going to die of hunger. The the um, right the 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 shalem is not allowed to kill the trefa. Even if we think that you're allowed to steal, you can't kill somebody else. Uh, right? You can't steal. You can't steal from somebody else in order. Sorry, you can't kill somebody else to save your own life, even if you are a trefa and the other person is a shalem. Okay, and he says that you know it sounds from your argument that it's that um, right. It sounds like you, you hold like those people who think that the only reason you can steal to save a life is in order to, is if you can pay it back. So where do you, where do you get this idea? It seems that his questioner had the idea uh, that you can kill, right? That you can, that a, tre, that you, a trefa can kill a shalem if you can't steal. Right? So how could you be able to kill to save a meal? If you can't steal his money, how could you possibly steal his life? Okay. But what if the what if there's a um, the canteen is in the hands of a third party? It seems to me the tachin seems likely. Right. If you should follow the order in harios, um, right, that it's, right. That seems to be the um, right. The right order is But you brought in other people say otherwise. So it's a little problematic because here he ends up saying that it seems to him that really you follow Horios, but right at the end of the shuvah, but at the beginning of the shuvah he said right here he just said but some people say otherwise, but up here he didn't say it's because it's going to be otherwise. He said. I think it's very hard to follow this nowadays. So what, is, what, so what does he think? That really that's the right thing 
but other people disagree or that it's hard to follow it. So we could, we could say that the, what he meant by hard to follow it is other people disagree and he really holds like the Mishnah Harios. Okay? That's, uh, yeah, I'd rather he didn't say that, but it seems, but it seems possible he does. Now, what is he, th- he seems to think that it's always forbidden to move a machine from one patient to another. Right? That's, that's consistent all the way through. Right? So the first Shiva says that you can never remove it from one patient to another. The second patient says, the second Shiva says, therefore, you're allowed to not connect the patient who is trefa in the first place in order to, right, in, um, in, order to, right, in order to give it to another patient, even though that other patient isn't yet on the horizon, as long as you have a rational belief that that patient will be on the horizon, or as long as the hospital has made a decision on the basis of a rational belief that that's on the horizon. So it sounds like he thinks, You'll tell me if you should please tell me if I'm wrong. It sounds to me like what he's saying so far is you can never kill one patient to save another. That's out of the question. A trefa can't kill a shalim. We paskin against them in Choskinoch in the area where we gather them. You can't kill a trefa to save a shalim. So, and removal of a ventilator is always killing. So you can never do that. So it, it's not clear to me that he says never. Yeah, why? If you look at the lines, yeah. So he's saying, first of all, he says that he he thinks, but also he's uh-huh. he's addressing the particular case in front of him. Yeah. And I don't know what the case is, but it might be that in a case where so. The case is that the person using it might not be what someone else defined as a gosace or might not be imminently going to die. No, we know that he's going to die even if he stays on the machine. So the way he's phrasing it, I don't think you, I think he's phrasing it either in the specific case that was given to him or in the general case where, you know, who knows what will happen. I mean, we think he'll die, but we don't know that he's going to die even if he stays on the machine, for example. I, okay. I, don't, I don't know that you can read, I don't know that you can conclude that from what he says. So let's pick up two things. Right? One thing I think that you said that, that we definitely have to acknowledge is he says, near Right, right. That's... He tends to say it. And he says right. the reason that it's Yotirnir Eshasur is, Kiyazden Echshav Kemasei Biodayim. Right? That, that's the rationale he gives. So that sounds like what he's saying is that uh, removal of a ventilator is considered killing as opposed yes. to the state. Oh, yeah. No, it sounds like he's, he's, he's considering a case where it would be determined to be killing. No, because Masaya Dayam is the phrase that's used. Right. That, that, that's, that I agree, that he's thinking that it would be considered Shrikat Damim, if not Ritzicha. Okay, now it's also the case that he talks about Hatzalos Hatrefa. And a trefa is not somebody who is imminently dying. Right? A trefa normally is somebody who has an expected lifespan of 11 months. Yes, that's why it's Yoter Nere in that case is what I'm saying. And you want to argue that he would think it's different in a Gose's case. I'm saying it might, he might agree that it's different because okay. he's, he's dealing specifically with the case of, the, I don't know what a trefa, but whatever it is, it's not a gosase. Right, but the challenge is, right, is there, that as Rezalman Chemia said, killing a trefa is not ritzicha. There's something lesser about killing a trefa. But killing a gosase is ritzicha. 
so right, that's right. Rizal Chemia right did that whole fancy thing to claim that that or that usually that often when we're talking about a ghostface, we're talking about somebody who's both a ghostface and a trefa. Right, that's where Rizal Chemia expanded it. Right. So right, you'd have to put in you have to put in something additional to make a trefa to make killing a trefa less bad. Yes, it has to be something in addition to being a trefa. Yeah, but I'm saying, but a ghost isn't enough. A ghost usually makes a ghost is usually worse than a trefa when it comes to killing, not better. That's yes. right, that's the that's the counter. The, right the, the halakha, right? The clear yeah. halakha for a ghost is right is that you can't do it. Right. So you have to put something. You have to, so there's a step missing but, if you want to make that argument. All right, but I think that's a good point, right? Maybe he has such a step, but we, he hasn't made such a step. So far, he's only talked about trefa. The word ghostface doesn't appear in this trivia. Right. He doesn't consider anybody who's worse than a trefa. He also doesn't mention anything like Rizal Menachemi's distinction between dying immediately and not. Right. It could be that's what his doubt is, Yotir Nireh, right? That, it, that, he might, that he might be considering the possibility that if you don't die immediately, it's, it's not considered murder. And he's addressing the whole question about whether removal of ventilator can ever be considered just Shevel Tase, but he doesn't, but he at least doesn't mention the distinction. Right. Okay, good. But a Uterinary is a really good point that he doesn't talk about Gosses is a valid point we have to address. Um, I want to point out one other thing here, right? The whole discussion here is why shouldn't you be able to remove it? Because Ki Azdenechshavkimaseyadaim, right? But up here, right. that didn't come into it. Up here, the issue was Yitachain de Chashiv Kilu Rishon Kvar Zachabemachshir. I think in that case, he's not sure that he's going to die. In this case, also, right, who says we're gonna, who says that we know someone's going to die? The question is... No, no, is, if he's saying it's nechshav k'masei adayim, that's, yeah. that, would, that phrase only means that you are killing him now by the, your action. Right. So you right. think that only applies if he's vade going to die. But shouldn't he, in addition to that, right, forget, right, I don't case, know about Vadai, but if he actually died as a result right away, then you would retro. I don't know whether it's in advance that you know it or retroactively. Good, right? But, but my point is, it should be usher anyway, even if it's not a masayadaim. It should be usher because once the matchil batzalas atrefa, he acquired, right? He acquired his zechut in the machshir, right? So what's his suffix here? You can have Razal Menachem say whether it's killing, but even if it's not killing. It's right. Why doesn't he use his logic of Kfar Zachav Machshir? I'm sorry, I'm not sure I'm following you. Your, your, your criticism is of the editing of the tshuva? I'm trying I mean, to say it's consistent. He says, Ki tachen de chashiv ki Okay, there's one idea. Maybe he's bizarre by it. Could be. Right. But also it's killing him. I mean, I don't, I don't understand what... I don't know why we're trying to make diuki. Well, it's it's not the Rambam. Well, so you think he has? You think he's just offering two different rationales in two different parts of the tshuva, and he didn't need to mention the tshuva this. is yeah. the tshuva is full, chock a block of maybe and ulai and nireli and yacholiot, which sometimes Rosh Hashanah writes that way, and sometimes he doesn't. So if he does here. He's telling you that he's thinking about it out loud, and this is what he's thinking about. Aha. So you think you know, he could have said this line here, over here also, but he had a better argument to worry, to worry about, and he's not trying to, and not, in neither case is he trying to be comprehensive. I, I don't think he's writing it in such a way that we should be making the Ukim, yes. 
Okay. All right. Let's go on. I'm, I'm open to I'm open to all of this. Okay. Here is Rav Asher Weiss's uh, printed response to, um, to right to uh, to the to the ongoing question with reference to Rosh Hashanah. Okay. Right. This is Mincha Asher B'Tzufa Tachrona version two. Okay. Uh, this letter was not printed. I think in version one. It was printed. It was printed in version two. He got involved in this matter. The content of, of what appears, um, if I'm getting it right, that he, he tends to think that we should prevent, that we should avoid attaching Ventilators to people who have a distant chance of, right, you know, an, an improbable likelihood of being saved. In order to preserve the ventilator for somebody whom there's a better opportunity for, right? I should point out, right, Ramos Alman is allowing the allowing the protocol in which you don't attach the trefa to the ventilator because on the assumption that if you attached it, you wouldn't be able to move it. If you could move it, then you don't have that issue at all. Right, the only reason to approve the protocol is the assumption that you can't move it. Ela shechidet, for Shlomo Zalman comes up with a chidosh, he says, if, right, if you already started dealing with one sick person, you shouldn't leave that person to deal with somebody else. And it's kind of like although it's not really because it's the same mitzvah. And yeah, yeah, but it's a mitzvah variant. So I don't know. You know, I, I wish I had read more of Rashlam Zalman's Shavuot. Um the Shavuot of Rashlam Zalman I have read seem not infrequently to use this kind of um approximate analogy. Who, who is Shlomo Zalman? Rashlam Zalman Arbach was the one of the great postgame of the late twentieth century. Um and in practice, right, he was the person that um that you know that many met that many medical medical ethics. I think he had a formal relationship with Shari Tzedek, and he's he, Rabbi Avram Steinberg is the right is the head of the head of medical ethics basically in the state of Israel, and he asked his Shilohs to Rishlam Azalman. Um, Doctor Avram Steinberg was he's also the head of uh, pediatric neurosurgery, I think. Um, okay, the year if Shari Yesh Pazegam Kein Zuchiyas Mamo. Right, he said it sounds like Rishlam Azalman. It's not only Osek Mitzar Patur Mitzvah. Which we say is a din in the doctor, right? The din, right? But it's also right. There, he points out, I think, correctly, right? There, Shlomo Zalman really makes two different kind of arguments. One is the patient has a schus, so that's a din in the patient, and one is that the doctor has an osik mitzvah, which is a din in the doctor. There, Shlomo makes those both those arguments. Maybe the doctor can't leave, and maybe the patient already has a right to treatment. Okay, vayin sham shakasev kol kol dvarav, and that's a typo. Right, he wrote everything. He wrote everything behash arab alma. Right, he wrote everything. You know, just as uh, sort of guesses. Okifihanira, and it seems to me, kol hashelot shapilpel b'hem. All the questions of Shlomo Zalman addressed, though nishalu halachala maaseh, they were not asked lemaaseh. The MS meolam liyadanu masav shashelot eli halachala maaseh, because we never, right? Who ever heard of a question like this? We had to deal with this kind of triage cases with machines. So the Minchas Asher says, and this is right, very much what Dr. Shor said, right? Rosh Hashanah and what Dov said, right? That, that uh, Rosh Hashanah is writing 
He tells you he doesn't know for sure. He keeps writing Yoter Nira. Probably these questions are all theoretical. All right? And therefore, the Minchas Asher essentially feels comfortable not poskening the Shlomo Zalman, despite his great respect for him, because he thinks these were theoretical questions as opposed <coughs> to um, definite psakim, and he said, right? He said, Oreiti Bamar Gadol Meita Garzan Goldberg. I also saw something from Shlomo Zalman Chama Goldberg Shlita. Uvota An Barichut, Shiyeshna Take Chole. And there he, 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 make, he extend, makes an extended argument that you can connect, you can disconnect a sick person who lacks hope, right? There's no, there's no hope of recovery from the ventilator. It seems to me that um, you can uh, spend a lot of time engaging with his words, but he doesn't think that they're, you know, he thinks that they're very, they're very sophisticated, but he doesn't think they're true either. Okay, we already saw, in fact, Goldberg. there's a lot to be mafalpel in his barim. The question is, is the Minchat Asher correct that Rashlam Zalman's questions, statements are made um, with, as Hasha wrote, as you know, sort of estimations, because he's not actually paskating the Maaseh, he's just answering a theoretical question. So if we look at the Tshuva, right, we look at the Tshuva, and it's, you know, it just seems like they're theoretic, right? The question is asked right here. The matter, right? And he's answering a bunch of questions. Okay, um, but uh, it happens uh, that we actually have the um, manuscript of the question. Uh, we have the manuscript of the question because I had an issue. I, so I had an issue with the text of the question, the text of the answer. I had a wild theory which turned out to be completely false. Um, but I wrote to uh, Rabbi Eli Fisher, uh, who's an SBM graduate and who's in Israel and knows, you know, who works on all sorts of Shuva projects. And I said, "Is it possible to find the uh, to find the Shuva of Shlomo Zalman?" Because I had some suspicions about the makeup of it. Um, so uh, Eli said, "Why don't you ask Dr. Sorry, Dr. Glick, who asked the question?" Now, how did he know that Dr. Glick asked the question? So the answer is that Minchash um, Flamo appear, appears in two versions. And in the first version, it tells you that this Shuva is written in response to Dr. Shimon Glick, um, who happily is still alive uh, at Ben-Gurion. Now, as I wrote to, that, to, to Dr. Glick um, with my questions about the Shuva, right, where I wasn't sure about a particular language in the Shuva, and particularly uh, the last line of the Shuva, um, the, the, last line, the last line of the first paragraph, right, which says, So I found this line in um, a different collection called Zilberstein. I found this line attached to a different tshuva. So I wondered if that line had been transferred by accident. Um, but then after I wrote to, Rabbi, to Dr. Glick, um, it was very clear that he's not a rabbi, uh, or at least not a posig, um, I discovered that in the issue, there was an issue of the journal Asya that was published immediately after Shlomo Zalman's death, and it published the manuscript of the tshuva. And that proved that I was wrong. Right? So I was very sad because I had this really cool theory, and I was completely wrong, and I apologized to Dr. Glick for wasting his time. But then, you know, I said, you know what, but it would still be cool, this was before I saw the Minchaz Asher, that it would still be cool it, right, the, 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 the printed Shuvan Asya printed the answer but didn't print the question. And I would love to know what the question was. So Dr. Glick wrote back to me, it's a very sweet man, 
wrote back to me a day later. He said, I surprised myself. I found the, I found the question. So here is the question. Uh, if you want, right, it could be fancy. And I could, um, I can, right, you can check my, you can check my, uh, my transcription because I, he actually sent me a PDF of the manuscript, but I'll just right, correct them as we go along. Okay, so here we are, Dr. Shimon Glick, Kupat uh, Cholim, I don't know what the typo is there. Something of the, right, uh, Shell, it should be Shell. That's the name of it. Now we have a date. Right, so we're in, right, so we're in 1980, uh, 1986, um, a year after but he doesn't make reference to it. Um, so he claimed so I don't know if it makes a difference to what you said, that he, but the date is 76. Yeah, 76. Was, you said, said 85. I said 86, I apologize. You said 86 and then made some conclusion about... Uh, my fault. I said Rizalman Nechemi was published in 75, I believe. Uh, and, okay. right, and this is 76. So it's after Rizalman Nechemi... But there's no reference to Rizalman Nehemia. Yeah, no, you had said 86. And I didn't okay, know. My fault. No, sorry. My fault. I'm pretty sure Rizalman Nehemia is 75. If he's 85, that would make a huge difference. But I think I said 75 for that also. I have to go look. Okay. But here's what the question The question says these are medical questions that are practical that face us every day. So Ravashar Weiss's um, claim that Shalom Zalman is responding theoretically seems to be out the window. Uh, I have uh, I have uh, had a copy of this sent to Rabbi Weiss. I don't know if any editing if any edited version is forthcoming as a result. Okay, so now he says, what's the question? Right, so again, you can't claim this is theoretical. How do they behave in, in circumstances that face us every day? All the more so in times in times of war, we don't have the resources to deal with, emer- with multiple emergency cases that show up for treatment at the same time. Right? Are there priorities in triage that doctors can treat the patients that they have a better hope of helping? Can you make decisions based on age? Lefi um, emda, right? In, in terms of, uh oh, okay, hang on, we're in a little bit of trouble because I seem to have disconnected my power, my power cord. Let's see if we can salvage this rapidly. Um, I apologize. Uh, blank. Um, blank. Uh, sorry. Uh, Uh, okay, good. Okay, right. So he wants to know, right? Can I, um, can right? Right? How, is, right? Can I engage in? Can I engage in? Um, can I, right? Can we? Can we set up priorities in terms of uh, age, in terms of standing? I don't know what that standing is. Social standing, medical lefi according to what what their illness is. Lefi seder kadima, according to some other, right? According to what what order they came in. Haim, right? Then his last question is haim mutar lakachet machshir han shama mechola echad. Right? Is it possible to take a ventilator from one patient and give it to another 
who's in a more difficult condition. Or who has better, uh, either in worse condition or who has uh, a better prognosis. Okay, so first of all, again, I, you know, I think that whatever Shlomo Zalman is doing, he's paskuning Lamase, even if he says these are Hasharot and just Masarim, but he understands that these are decisions that are being given um, absolutely practical. Okay, now what about the Truva? So here's the, here's the Truva, right? So you already starts the Primagadim. It um, right, and we, right, which right, it moves to the rational choice principle. It tells you that age doesn't that age doesn't enter into the um, the conversation. Right, that's that's all fine. It tells you to look at Horios, and it tells you that nowadays I think it's difficult to engage in Horios. And then he says, right, so far all the same, right? Right, that that seems to be very much in doubt. Can you move the ventilator? Because it seems as if the first, right, all exactly the same. Okay. And then all of a sudden, another line comes in. Okay. Here's the line. The line's in, um, right, these li- right, these lines uh, appear. Now, these lines are in the manuscript. Yes. Uh, right. These lines are in the manuscript. And they are also, they were also printed in the first edition, which made clear this was attributed to, to Dr. Glick. But for some, whatever reason, uh, Dr. Steinberg has an article coming out which has a footnote that says, but for some reason, this line was left out of the second edition. I don't know what it was. And here's what it says. It says, going back to the question, right? So he talks about the, right? Mr. Kani Maori talks about up here, about the, um, about the question, a minute. About, the question of, um, about the question of whether you can move it. Now he goes back, right? Then he talks about the doctor moving from patient to patient. Now he goes back to the ventilator. And he says, regarding the ventilator, now, he originally said, what looks to me like Barur Kashemish. It's absolutely clear. Uh, it certainly says Barur. The Kashemish is a little bit less clear. And then he crosses it out and says Choshvani. So that's really a fascinating thing, right, as to, right, as to what, his, uh, what, his lang- what his language is. So he says, it's, it's, so in the end, he says, I think, but originally he said uh, it was absolutely clear. Everything depends on the uh, on the estimation on the judgment of the doctor. And if in the majority of cases this is no longer useful, you can move it to the second patient. So now, this is wild. Uh, this is it's it's utterly amazing. This was simply left out of the this was simply left out of the second edition. I don't know why, right? So you can have the, the movement from it's Barur Kashemesh to Khoshvani, right? That's in the original manuscript, and then the whole thing gets left out. Now what does it mean? If he said previously, right, that you can't move it because he already has a skut, so then um, why all of a sudden? Can you move it? So here's a, the, the key line is, what does Kvar Loloto Elit mean? So you have at least two possibilities of Kvar Loloto Elit. One possibility of Kvar Loloto Elit is, as Dr. Shor suggested earlier, that maybe, maybe he's introducing the category of Gosses here. And he's saying, everything I said up till now was only dealing with, uh, right, with patients who are in, but he hasn't mentioned the word Trafiat either so far, right? 
Uh, I don't believe he's mentioned the word trefa at all right here either, right? That comes up later, right? So all he's doing right now is dealing with two patients who are in di- who are in circumstances, either one of them is in more danger or one of them is a better hope of saving. So in all those cases, he says, you can't, right, you can't move it. Why can't you move it? Because it looks, right, because there's a right. But maybe when it's not letoelet, and maybe that in- means that includes um, any patient who can't be healed at all, whom there's no hope of being healed, then you can give it to the second one. Maybe it's better to give it to the second one because right, within his own logic, that would seem to mean because if it's not helping you, then you don't have a right to it. So the question is, what is his definition of not helping? Does it mean not helping mean that it won't heal you? Not helping mean that you won't live more than, more than a year? Not helping mean that you won't live more than 72 hours? Or does not helping mean that, um, not helping mean that, um, that you're going to die? In the that you're not that it's sorry, that won't make any difference at all. That it's just a right. So the literal meaning for our low to it means it's not helping at all. So then this is sort of a um, this right. You would think this is obvious, but it's not obvious because he says email p robes at kvarlo low to If right, the doctors estimate that in most cases this is useless because you might think that as long as there's some possibility that it's helping him, he still has a right to it. Rishlamazaman says no, no. Right, I think that if in the doctor's estimation, mostly, the, right, in most circumstances, this will make no difference at all, then you can move it. But if, right, but if the doctor thinks that there is, uh, that there's a more than 50% chance that this helps in any way, right, that it's, right, I think it's more likely to prolong his life than not, then you still can't move it. Okay, so everything depends on what it means. And oh, I'd like to say, that one, what it, it's, you're right, it's, <clears throat> there's a lot of wiggle room as to what low toilet means, but I think it should be clear that this is something that a gosace does not necessarily come under this category. Because I think what he means here is that the circumstances that we're faced with, namely that he's not breathing, is what's going to be effective. It's not to L it for what's killing him. It's not going to restore his breathing. That's a creative. It's not, it's, it's not, it's not the low to in the terms of his medical condition. That is, it, it means whereas the ghost face is someone who isn't going to die, but he's not being It's the, what you said before, he's maybe just dying, but there's no particular medical condition that we're attempting to salvage. And to that's, repair. Right, so that's, now we're creating all sorts of okimtas, right? right he no, but I think the low toilet means that what we're doing won't help. Won't help what? It won't prolong his life or it won't save him? I don't know, but it, but it means that we're outside of the category of gosses. Aha, uh-huh, okay, so that, that's, that's possible. What, that's all I'm... I'm not sure at all. Uh, I asked Dr. Click. This is something that's an addition to gosses is what I'm saying. Interesting. It could be that you know Shlomo Zalman's category is right. It's not just old age. It's that there's something else going on, and what we're doing is we're not solving, we're not curing the COVID nineteen. I don't know. I don't know. My inclination is what it means is that if the doctor's estimation is that it's not pro- that in most circumstances the ventilator is not prolonging his life, then you can transfer it. But as long as there's a medical estimation that it's prolonging his life, you can't transfer it. That's my estimation, but I don't have a I don't have a way of proving it. 
I asked Dr. Glick, what, you know, did you ask, what, 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 what do you think Rosh Hashanah meant? And he said, I have to tell you, I never followed up. So, right, so I, I wish I knew the answer, but I didn't. So we have this, so we have this, um, this right, and you, you know, you can, in one way, you can say that it's a, you know, if you read it as, Kvar Lo Toilet means that you can't heal the underlying condition, so then it's a huge, right, then it allows moving vent. Then it allows moving ventilators in lots of circumstances. If you think it means, uh, if you think it means that it has to be utterly useless in most cases, so then there's a very right. Then it might end up with a very limited capacity for moving ventilators. So there's almost almost true, but right, what that phrase means is crucial, and he doesn't say anything. Now here's another thing, though. But but I, Part, I think yeah, you're right. The, the extent isn't clear, but I think below toil it means for the situation at hand. It doesn't mean that it won't help him do it, won't help something else. It doesn't mean it has no effect. I don't it know. Means, I, I just think it means will it extend his life or not? I think that's the simplest reading. That, Regardless of cause, will it extend his life? Um, if it'll extend his life, it has a toilet. If it won't extend his life, it doesn't have a toilet. It could make him richer or poorer. Okay, right? yeah, no, that, that's irrelevant. That, that, no, no. So I'm saying that's the question of what's relevant. And I think what's relevant is the medical condition you're dealing with. Okay, I think what's relevant is lifespan, right? So that's an important distinction. That's a very but, important uh, distinction. Yes. I'm, I'm basing this on this, the general tenor and the situation. This is not a, if, if this had occurred in some random loca other location, then I, would, I wouldn't be saying this. But as he's discussing specific kinds of cases where you're faced with particular medical problems that you're trying to solve. Well, now we have to be very clear, because he right all he said so far is he's responding to Dr. Glick's question. Dr. Glick's question dealt with right doesn't tell you anything about the patients. He says we are That's often the right the shir han shama right yeah it's a breathing thing. Yeah, right, he so he's but, dealing right. right. He's dealing with ventilators, but other than that, he hasn't told you anything about the nature of the patients. Right, he just tells you often happens that we don't have enough we don't have enough resources. For example, we don't have enough ventilators. That's all he says. Right? We don't know anything about whether the patient is a gosius or a trefa. None of that is here. I agree. Yeah, okay. So let's, let's hold this for now because I, I want to go on to one more. Right. The other question is, but we read in the Truva that he thought that, right, he thought that moving a ventilator, right, that's right, we, we're right here, right? When it comes to moving a ventilator, right, he said that um, this is a risk of, right, there is a nechshav This is killing. So now, I don't understand. If you think that there's any hope of, uh, sorry, if you think there's any hope of saving him, right, why isn't, right, if you think it's just, a, right, then why isn't this killing him? So we could try to say that, oh my goodness, right, so here we have Rav Shlomo Zalman anticipating, uh, right, anticipating Rav Zalman Nechemia, or agreeing Rav Zalman Nechemia. He's saying that there are patients for whom things that he thought before were the Masaya Dayim and killing them, but here it's totally irrelevant. Right, and that would be right. That would be a wild thing, right? If Shlomo Zalman, Shlomo Zalman said the same thing as Zalman Nehemia, and he said there are patients whom there is no prohibition of killing, even though in other circumstances would that would be a wild thing. But here's the right. Here's our final reveal. Right, the second edition, right? The second edition printed these, um, printed the, the right this truva, this whole siman, as if, and that's how we read it also, as if these two paragraphs. One beginning Kutava Prima Gadim and the one beginning Hachlatat Beit Cholim, 
were part of the same tshuva. But they're not. Because we have, right, we know this because we have um, Dr. Glick's letter. And we know that Dr. Glick's letter didn't raise, right, that they respond, we have the tshuva. And the tshuva doesn't address, doesn't um, have this paragraph beginning achlatat beta cholim at all. Okay, what is that in response to? So that is actually a response to a totally different question, which was sent um, by Rav Moshe Sternbuch, by uh, somebody else, probably Rabbi Yaakov Weingel. Here's the question. Really serious question from the, a doctor who heads a department in a hospital. Right, a from guy, an excellent doctor, head of the right, head of the uh, the intensive care unit, right in the in the Beit Cholim in Johannesburg, asked a really serious question, and this is the Torah. This is the content. In the possession of the hospital, there is one mechonat hachiah. And now we know why this shuvah says mechonat hachiyah, as right as opposed to the other one which said which said um, which said mechonat han shama, right? It has a life-saving device, very new. Ve'ein la mela mechonat achat. They only have one. They only have one machine, right? On the basis of this machine, it's possible to save for uh, temporarily cholim shevirem apnei nikru vehem trefa. It's possible to save patients who are defined as trefa because they have. Specifically injured organs. But on the other hand, right? Patients reach come every day whom you can save beyond being a trefa. Now, if you use this machine, right? If you use this machine to um, to save the to save the trefas, right? Then the assumption of the doctor is. Then you won't be able to move it from the trefa to the other patient, meaning that this doctor has not heard of Rav Zalman because that's considered killing, right, killing actively. So this idea is introduced by the doctor. Right? It's in the question that Rav Zalman is responding to. And even if you were to say no, you're allowed to remove it, even though it, right, even though it's killing. Hello, but the relatives are going to object. surely told not take it They're not going to allow it. They're going to they're going to start a lawsuit. In order to avoid these lawsuits, the hospital decided that, right, the hospital decided it was only going to use this for patients who can be saved for chayi olam, as opposed to trefos. It's not worth wasting the machine. To extend the temporary life of a trefa. At the time point when there is, there's no day where there isn't a Jewish patient who comes in who can be saved permanently. And that doctor takes great pride. On the basis of these regulations, he saved many Jews. But his, his conscience gets to him. But he also has an obligation, but he really has an obligation to save every patient who comes. And he says, if in fact he has such an obligation to save the Right to save the patients. Right? Does he have an obligation to steal the machine and violate the medical harai? So this is what Rosh Hashanah Zalman's 
second truva is about. So really what we thought was one truva is really two separate truvas. One of them is a response to Dr. Glick, right, which makes no, in a, a shayla which makes no assumptions whatsoever about the nature of the patients. It's just dealing with the abstract question, I have two patients, and my medical judgment is that the machine would be better used for one patient than the other. Am I allowed to move it from one patient to the other? To which the response is, um, right, the response is that under such circumstances, you, um, under such circumstances, you, ha- right, you really can't because, or it seems to me you can't, because the patient has a right to the ventilator, unless you can make an argument that the patient has no right to the ventilator. And right and now we have to figure out what are the circumstances, right, which are called Loloto Elet, which take away the patient's right to a take patient's right to a ventilator. There's no discussion in that truva of whether it's considered it's considered active killing to remove the ventilator from one patient to another. Then there's a second truva, and the second truva is is written to a doctor who as raises a question that to my mind is obviously fictional. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know that there could have been a hospital in Johannesburg whenever this question was asked. I think it turns out that we will find out that this question is originally asked in 1985. 1985 um, right? I think that, that, that one of the answers, uh, one of the answers we'll make clear was asked in 1985, not this one. Um, that there would be a hospital in Johannesburg that treated specifically Jews. Very hard to believe. Is there a hospital in Johannesburg who specific, right, who had, who could be confident it would have Jews who needed ventilators every day? Also, I have to say, like, you know, there's a large Jewish community in South Africa, but that seems to me perhaps a little bit of a push. Uh, you know, how many people need ventilators in the entire United States in a given year such that the population of Johannesburg would need it? I think the question was written this way because the doctor did not want the post scheme to address the question of priority among Jews or non-Jews because that would be a non-starter, um, right? So I think that all of the, I think essentially all of, right, and they said yom yom, so that the POSIC wouldn't have to deal with the question of whether this is considered a cholila fanenu or not, if there's only a statistical likelihood and not a certainty, right? So my take, and maybe it's wrong, my take is that this is a question that was, is not a real life question, it's a sort of a reality television question, right? It's tailored to, right? It, it addresses a real issue, but the circumstances that it sets up to address the real issue are tailored to avoid distractions um, and get there. So now this question, which is only this very specific question is, should the hospital policy be to refuse to treat? Now he sets it up very specifically as a trefoot. I, I am quite confident that the hospital in Johannesburg was not, right, there was no halachic hospital in Johannesburg. Right, so I'm quite confident they didn't set it up to have the halachic categories of trefos. Right, again, this is all part of the massaging of the question. It seems to me. Now, I could be as wrong. Right, Rabbi Weiss thought the first question was theoretical, and he because he didn't have the question. I don't know the hospital in Johannesburg, so it could be I'm wrong. But and I'd love to be proven wrong, I guess, or at least be interested in proven wrong. But my bet is that all the details of this question are deliberately massaged by a halachically knowledgeable doctor. So the POSIC would address what the doctor saw as the underlying ethical question, as opposed to tell him what to do. Um, so now, Roshlomo Zalman responds, right? Now we can read Roshlomo Zalman's truva, knowing what the question is, right? The question is dealing with a tailored question. This one, Roshlomo Nechemia is correct. This one is hypothetical in the sense that there is no real case, if I'm right, that is actually like this. And he's dealing with a biased circumstance, right? Where the 
hospital already has a decision. And the question is what, right, how to treat the hospital decision as opposed to Dr. Glick, who was dealing with a circumstance where the hospital had no policy and wanted to know what his policy should be. So in that case, he says, you know what? I think that since the hospital already made such a decision, um, and the hospital's decision is uh, the hospital's decision is rational, and I tend to agree with you that you wouldn't be allowed to move the machine from the traf- from even a trefa to a non-trefa. Right. Therefore, it seems to me that you can leave the that you can leave the um, you can leave the hospital um, you can leave the hospital policy in place. But really, he says, you know what? I wonder why you don't use the machine. You don't use the the um, the device. The the right. If if the in this absolutely beautiful theoretical case you're setting up, I don't know why you're talking about just trefa and sholem. If that's the case, right? You should also be talking about men and women. Um, so my inclination, right? My inclination, uh, my inclination is that um, my inclination is. That Rashallah Zaman's underlying position is that um, you can't ever move a ventilator from one patient to another, even in cases where the patient is not going to die immediately, which is the, which are the cases, right? Which are the cases, right, where there's no right, there's not a it's not as critical a threat, right? Because all we're dealing with Dr. Glick's question is they could both be long-term patients. It's just a question of what the overall odds are. I think Rashallah Zaman's position is you're never supposed to move the you're never supposed to move the ventilator. First, because A, even if there's no risk of murder, because you don't know the patient will die, because right, because right, because the patient has a has a long chance of living, right? Because all sorts, right, because you could always reconnect them, all those sorts of things. He thinks that patients acquire a right to live when you attach the machine to them. Um, therefore, he is okay with a policy uh, of right, which is a chiddush of of not attaching the machine. To every patient who first who, um, who first comes in, if you genuinely believe that it is certain that other patients who are in better condition will come in the same day. Now that I think Ray Weiss is right that we haven't had a situation like that until COVID nineteen, where you knew for sure that other patients uh, right, other patients would come in. And he's bracketing the question of Jews and non-Jews, but then he slips it in at the end by saying, "But I don't know why you wouldn't also include the, the criteria hurriot." Um, so I'm not sure how much space Rishlama Zalman gives you really um, I'm not sure how much space Rishlama Zalman really, um, really gives you he at least is open to the possibility that you don't attach people, I don't see right the, I, I, I don't see a basis and it doesn't seem to me right in Rishlama Zalman I think that if you put the two trivia together, the most likely meaning of Kfar Lalo to Elit uh, right, because right, in, this, in the second trivia, right now we know they're different trivia in the second shuva to the guy in South Africa, he never mentions the possibility of the low toilet. Right? He doesn't say, right, you know, and now you can say it's silly because why bother connecting patients when you think it's the low toilet? But he could have said to him, no, right, you know what? Connect the patients, and if it's useless, then you could move them anyway. And if it, right? right? He could have said that. He doesn't do that. So I think, I think Rashomo Zalman really is not open to, change, to moving the ventilator, except in circumstances where the odds are that the ventilator is not even extending life. I could be open to the possibility that Shlomo Zalman thinks that applies even if it's not open to extending life past the stage of the Gosses, 
because the case in South Africa exp- is, says he's talking about Trefa, not Goses. So maybe Rishlomo Zalman would have said that if he had talked about Goses, but not if he talks, but not because he's not, but not because he's not talking about Trefa. Um, but I, I think that um, really the, the reason Rishlomo Zalman doesn't mention it in the second show is because it's a very, very narrow question. Like what, right? He's dealing with this question of what happens if there's a possibility it helps, but the odds are it doesn't. And that's the only circumstance where he allows, where he allows moving. Now I should say that possibility that it doesn't help at all, but the odds are it doesn't help at all might be very relevant in COVID-19 cases, right? It might be that that, that is a very useful kula in our case, especially if you extend it to the, right, to the possibility that it doesn't remove you from the status of Gosei's, right? So even that very narrow circumstance um, right, it's nowhere near as far as Rizal Menachemia, but it would make a big difference in COVID nineteen in COVID nineteen cases, uh, perhaps, right, per, uh, and perhaps it would also allow you, right, because the the tension that's mentioned in um, in the doctors thing that they deal with, right, and this was the the this was what doctors were asking, I, at least the do- doctors that talked to me were asking about, uh, very bothered in the early stages of the COVID nineteen epidemic was that there were their hospitals all put in policies like this. Don't connect patients to the to the ventilator, bec- right? Because if you think that the, that a that that um, that they don't that they don't meet your your score standard, right? Be- a certain score standard, because that will tie up the machine and you won't be able to disconnect it later. So the response, right? So the right so the the cool of allowing disconnecting the ventilator is a right is a I guess, sorry the leads the allowing disconnecting ventilators ends up being better for those patients because now they get connected to the ventilator in the first place. All right. So the question is, what's the sweet spot where you allow the connection of, where you, you, you allow disconnecting ventilators and that enables you to save more patients by connecting them in the first place, uh, right? Without running the risk that, you, that, that by connecting them in the first place, you're going to not save other patients. So it might be Rishlomo Zalman offers us a, right, a very useful sweet spot, which is you connect the patients but at such point as in the, in the medical opinion is that it's likely that it's not extending life, then you can move it, right? That's the narrow, if the broader expansion of cell is at such point as it's likely that the ventilator is not extending life past the condition of Gosei's, let's say 72 hours, right? The patient will, won't live 72 hours even, past, even on the ventilator. That also would create, that would create even more space. I would tend to think Roshlamo Zalman is, is, is not as narrow as that. He's only allowing removal of a ventilator if the doctor's estimation is that under most circumstances, you're not prolonging life at all. But I could see, right, I could see, you know, a, uh, you know, that this gets to have a fudge factor, right? Because how long, right? How do doctors know how long you're living, right? You know, that, right, you know, you're, you have an underlying condition, the underlying condition might kill you by then, might not kill you by that, not by then in order to keep you on the ventilator, you have to sedate you more severely than otherwise, so maybe that causes, but I could see this being an argument in practice that would allow transferring ventilators more often than, uh, right, a lot more often than you would think. But on totally different grounds than Rizal Menachemia. Right, on totally, right, on totally different grounds than Rizal Menachemia. Uh, what this doesn't address is, but isn't it killing, right? Right, right, and the, and the true image was in which he allows removing the ventilator doesn't address the issue of killing, which he address, which he raises in the other questions. So you only have two possibilities, I think. One possibility, the one which reconciles them well, is the narrow reading of Shlomo Zalman, right? That says it's not killing because it makes no difference. It's right. It's a little toilet. Right. That's I think the. That's why I think it's the best way. The other way of reading it is that he said it's 
that in the second tshuva, he was working within the assumptions of the questioner, and the assumption of the questioner is that it's killing. And he says, you know, that's not unreasonable, so I'm going to work within your set of assumptions. I'm not, I, I'm not, I don't have the confidence in my position. So I'm going to say, no, it's not killing. Go ahead and connect them. Uh, but if you asked him his own position without the assumptions of the questioner, then he would have said, you know what, in, right, I think there is a, that it's not really killing, it's not masabiyadayim, and since it's not masabiyadayim, therefore I think you can move the ventilator. Those seem to me the, the, the plausible ways of reading Rishlomo Zalman, um, and that gets us through his position. Uh, I think it still creates space, just very different space than, than Rizalman Nechemia, and to my mind, um, much more, um, to my mind, much more reasonable space but I think that really the best way to see this Shubud as, as consistent is to limit him to that really narrow case where doctors say that in their medical estimation, the odds are that the ventilator is not prolonging life. Okay, now I'll take questions. I'm sorry, I cut out for a few minutes in the middle there. I had some technical problems. I'm sorry if you covered this before. Um, I, I wanted to say the statement that the first Juva to Dr. Glick was not a theoretical one because he writes it as if it's things that are really happening. I don't mm -hmm. know how true that is. He asked him a general question about things that might happen. He got yeah. a very, very general answer and he never followed up. There was no practical question which he was asked and answered. So I don't know how big uh, Akasha it is on uh, Rabbi Weiss's reading of the Juva. Uh, Dr. Yeah. Glick clearly said that they happen all the time. It is. He said, Ma'asim The other tshuva also said, Ma'asim B'chol Yom, and we threw that one out the window. Yeah, I think he made it up. I don't think Dr. Glick made it up. I think the second question is, Ma'asim B'chol Yom, I just think they weren't true. I think he made it up. Dr. Glick, I'm not sure for making it up. Again, my simple diuk is just this. There was no chole lefanenu. He did not ask about a particular question to get a specific answer, do this, do that. He that said, these are situations which I'm confronted with, and I search and I ask for your opinion. He got an answer which was unclear to him and right. unclear to you, Rabbi Clapper, and he never followed up. I which agree. shows me that he never put it into practice. Therefore, right. it wasn't a practical question. Therefore, Rabbi Weiss is correct. Aha, uh -huh. so I, I think Rabbi Weiss may very well take that position. I, I think that there's a, um, there's a, I think there's an in-between, right? There, there are three categories. There's, here's a theoretical question. Tell me what you think. There is, what do I do? I have this patient in front of me. And then there's, I have this ongoing situation and I want to know what to do. And I think Weiss sounded to me like he thought it was, you know, he thought it was the nothing category, right? That you think that all he means by that is, right, uh, right. And he says we never know such. Right. I think the you know the thing that the you know the smoking gun advice is that we never knew such situations. But Dr. Glick says explicitly he did know such situations. I don't think Rabbi Weiss can. I think Rabbi Weiss read it much much more strongly. You're correct. I think that this is not a shuvah halacha in which he knows that the he knows that his answer will be implemented. Right. Right. He doesn't. Right. He doesn't. Right. And he doesn't deal with any concrete case. So I think you're right that he. That we could say it's halakha v'lo halakha l'maaseh. I don't think you can do it quite as differently as um, as strongly as Ray Weiss did. Although maybe he'll take your position. I, I say the reason I think it's different than the Johannesburg case is because I really don't believe the Johannesburg case. But again, I could be wrong. 
because right? I, you know, I don't know the doctor, I don't know who it is. I, I just, I, the reality doesn't, doesn't compute for me. But maybe I'm wrong, the same way that Ray Weiss said, you know, we never knew such situations, but Dr. Glick claimed in his letter that we did know such situations. I can go back to him and ask him, what are the specific situations you claimed we're facing every day? But he claims we did, and he certainly, you know, and he's, and he's, he's writing, I think, um, fairly short, he's writing fairly shortly after the Yom Kippur War, right? Yeah. So he's writing, in, right, he's writing in the, with the experience of a hospital, of a hospital, you know, ICU ward. Uh, which he, really specifically, he specifically says that this happens at time of war in his yes, letter. He does. Yeah, yeah. and, and I, that, that, it's not just with COVID-19, and for a military hospital, this is not an unexpected problem. They have very limited resources. They're on the, you're on a battlefront military hospital. All right, he's in Beersheba, but, but other military hospitals are located elsewhere, and they have people coming in and there are people dying all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, you know, many of us have seen Mesh, right? Yes. <laughs> right, I know that your granddaughter has, right? I, 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 I take the person. I understand the personal reference. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, I'm. I take the you know, correction that it's not a. He, so he didn't say halachalamase. And he does fudge, right? You know, he doesn't, you know, he says, he tells you, I'm just, you know, he tells you, that he really does say. He says, I'm telling you, honestly, I don't know the, I don't, I don't know, you know, I'm not putting nails down, although we could look and see that there, Dr. Glick has three questions, um, right? So we have to, um, have to figure out, right? You have to look at the other question, at the other questions for that as well. Um, but um, yeah, I, I don't think it's as strong as Rabbi Weiss's. I, I think that if you, I also think the meaning, inside of your convincing, I think the meaning of the Chuvot changes when you realize that they are answers to different questions. Uh, I think the Diuk, which explains the difference between the verbiage in both, and it's very, it's very clear. I think that's a good, it's a good point. I just don't think it's a gotcha enough on Rav Weiss that he's going to change his view to say, we don't have to follow him, even if we're deference to him, because he never really poskin the Shila Lamasa. That's his whole point, and that still stands. Okay, I'm fine. I, I'm fine with in the end, right? You know, Ray Weiss is a, is a guttle, and he's entitled to uh, poskin the way he wants, right? I'm not, I'm not feeling myself down to poskin like Rosh Hashanah either in this one, because I know other people disagree, right? So there's lots of gadolim. Um, that's also true, um, in, in any case. But I think, okay, um, I accept that. But I, what I, you know, the Kiddush of this year, you know, this is, you, you're, you're the first ones to hear it, right? And, you know, but as so far as I know, you know, no one has, right? It's interesting to me, Asya never printed the, never, Asya never printed the question. Rabbi Steinberg, Dr. Rabbi Dr. Steinberg gets credit. I wouldn't have known it without him. He, that he, in his article, he has a footnote in which he points out that this line about the Makshir Hanshama is in the first edition and not the second, um, right? So he knows that. I don't honestly know whether Rabbi Weiss ever saw that line, right? Because Rabbi Weiss, in his truth, only quotes only quotes the second edition of Mincha Shlomo. So even though he, I, I know he did have access to Rabbi Steinberg's Mikorot, it's not obvious to me that he read the first edition. All he may not realize he may not, he may not realize the first question that the first question addressed respirators at all, let alone know that they were two separate questions. Um, so I don't know. You know, again, I have sent him uh, through a third party. I have sent him the, uh, the the PDF of the manuscript of Dr. Glick's question. And we'll see if there's a third edition of, of Minchas Asher or not. Uh, you know, 
I haven't gotten a response back. So I don't, uh, you know, in my, um, I haven't yet gotten a really satisfactory response yet when writing to somebody of prominence. So, um, but this is a Kiddush. I'm, you know, I'm glad that you, that you think that the Kiddush is, uh, is useful in Shlomo Zalman as to what he means. So where we are now is Rizal Menachemia creates enormous space, um, you know, really frightening space and really frightening grounds for removing ventilators. Uh, Rosh Zalman creates some space, I think very, very narrow space. Dr. Shor thinks a little bit broader space. I might be brought to compromise um, for removing ventilators. Uh, those, uh, right, so we'll, we'll, um, we'll see um, next week, uh, I guess, um, I guess probably in deference to Jerry's schedule, um, I guess I could ask for the people on here, are there people uh, for whom two o'clock on two o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday would be impossible? Is that much worse? No, it's good. Okay, so then maybe I'll think about it. So I have to figure out whether whether I whether I move out whether I, I put in a Monday share also in addition to a Wednesday and Thursday. Next week, Tuesday, I'm already committed, I think, to the um, to doing the second part of the Mr. Strichos Kavana Shira. The question for me really is that uh, I have a Shira I'm preparing on jacuzzis. Uh, not in jacuzzis, <laughs> but on jacuzzis. Um, but I, don't, I don't know that it's right yet. If it's right, then I really want to try it out on Monday. Uh, but I don't know that I'll know that it's right, that it's, that it's right by Monday or not. So if it's not right, then I'll, I'll put out the schedule on, on Sunday and I'll include this. Okay. Any other questions? Oh, yes. As a mikvaot or just to pass the time? Uh, what about jacuzzis? <laughs> jacuzzis is mikvaot. Jacuzzis is mikvaot. Uh, I can talk about it. I can talk about it offline. Um, that, uh, right, thank you. That, uh, yeah. Okay. So, thank you very much.